can turn me down in this microphone just a little bit because I may get excited here as we minister the word of the Lord here today. Amen. I feel to go a, a direction here today that um, I will do probably three or four times a year, um, preach a very similar message. Um, and I'm going to combine probably two messages here today to get the vision of the church across. Does anybody know what our 2018 vision is this year? Proclaiming the gospel. Everybody say proclaim the gospel. And we couple that with another small phrase that we are, who we are, is we are the Monday morning church. And I feel as though that we need to revisit this and be reminded of some things here today. Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 25 through 29. You can stand with me one more time while we read this scripture. That would be awesome. And then we will also read out of 1 John. And um, I will turn there in my Bible. Amen. Amen. Thankful that you're here today. If you're a guest here, we say thank you. Um, if you are visiting and you've just been coming for a little while, I say thank you. Um, I don't think there's a much better place to be than Lifeway Apostolic Church, but that's just my opinion. And uh, I have a strong opinion on that. Um, thank you. It would be Colossians. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 25 through 29. And then we'll read out the first epistle of John, chapter number 2. I got to take a deep breath today. Sometimes you get up in the pulpit, I don't take a deep breath, and it helps me. Um, but I feel the presence of the Lord here today. And um, this message that what you're going to hear today is my heartbeat. This is what I desire all of us to be. Point at your neighbor and said, that includes you. Um, when God began to impress us on us to start a church, I didn't know how it was going to, I don't know how it was going to happen. Um, I had somebody tell us, what in the world are you thinking? I had a pastor tell me that you can't start a church in Avon. That place, you, it's just, it's impossible. A pastor actually told me that. He says, there's too many strongholds there. But it is, we haven't even moved here yet. And, um, but the Lord gave me something that I believe that is the, torch of our church and um, we go in the name of Jesus I said we go in the name of Jesus you know this world can do a lot of things but if we go in the name of Jesus this world doesn't have a chance doesn't have a chance amen Colossians chapter number 1 verse 25 through 29 whereof I everybody say I, I. am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I want to read that scripture again, and I want you to look at every single word and say that you can speak it with me, but I want you to really let it register. And you, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. But now, but now is made manifest 
to his saints. Hmm. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Everybody say mightily. How many would love the Lord to work in you mightily? That'd be pretty cool. What if God worked in every single one of us in this room mightily? What would this church look like? What would happen, Jonathan, if all of us let God work through us mightily? Think about that for a moment. No reservations. No facades. No preconceived ideas. No agenda. It's just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And everything that goes with the name of What would your life look like if that we allowed that to happen? 1 John chapter number 2. First John chapter number two. Let's read. And we read this yesterday at our men's study. And um, I'm going to read out of uh, the King James. And then we'll also read out of another version, the NIV. I don't do that often. But um, I'm going to do that here today. First John, if I can find it in my notes here, the NIV version, I will find it. I don't have that many notes. It just looks like it. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16. And we'll read a couple verses of Scripture here. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Everybody say all. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of this world. There are three things in that scripture. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but is of this world. You can be seated. And I'm going to read. You've been standing for a while here today. I want us to be mindful today of the words that I share with you. I am not, I'm a pretty laid back kind of guy. I am, um, I think I'm kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> See, I'm pretty funny sometimes. Um, but this is very serious. Um, let me just say that this right now, Jesus is coming. Amen. I said Jesus is coming. You think you got time to waste? You don't have time to waste. God is coming. He's coming quickly. This world is about to wrap up. I feel that in my spirit. I feel as though God is quickening our spirits here today to reflect the presence of God and to reflect who he is. Because if we are a church that just comes to church, we have missed the point. I said we've missed the point. If you come to church on Wednesday and Sunday, I say thank you. 
But if that's all you give to God, you've missed the boat. If you come, young people, just to be a part of a youth group, you've missed the whole point. If you look at the church on what, if you look at the church by looking at it by saying, what can the church do for me? You're looking at it with the wrong view. We are not a church, and I am not a pastor. I'm just going to be straight. I do not want to patty cake around. I don't want to get an idea that your relationship with God is dependent on me. It is not dependent on the four walls of this church. If it is, you've missed the point. If you feel as though that you have to have a relationship with the pastor or a relationship with somebody in the church to feel important, you've missed the point. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in him, I will have a fulfillment of my life. In him, there will come joy. Joy doesn't come in a relationship with the pastor. I know I'm funny. I know I'm cool, right? I'm being facetious. But I'm here to tell you today, there's one greater than me. There's one greater than the person sitting next to you, and his name is Jesus. And if you come to me with, 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 with a need, I'm going to say, let's just take it to Jesus. If, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I don't fit in, let me tell you, the Bible says if I abide in him and he abide in me, then I can find some semblance of joy and peace in my spirit. Uh, we have got to come to grips with the church. We've got to come to grips with our view of the church. I enjoy coming to the house of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I love coming to church. In fact, I'm the pastor, and I, I should love coming to church. My whole week is dependent on let's, go, let's, let's, let's get to church and let's worship the Lord. I love seeing people love Jesus. I, there's nothing greater than seeing somebody raise their hands for the first time and worshiping the love and worshiping Jesus. There is nothing that I love more than seeing somebody being baptized in the name of Jesus. I, I, I love to celebrate when somebody comes to an altar and they begin to pour their heart out for God. I just joy, it just fills me with joy. It, it fills me with, with something that is alive. And it's only because of Jesus Christ that we can experience those things. I, I love it when a first-time guest comes into church and they leave here and say, there's something different about that place. I, I, I love it when somebody comes to the house of God and, 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 and they leave and I hear a word that, man, they were really touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I love those things. I, I love to hear the testimonies of the goodness and the grace of God. I love when we come into the house of the Lord and we clap our hands and we raise our hands and maybe do a little dance across the front and strike the right keys and, and the worship is great. I love all those things, but our love for Jesus Christ should not stop and begin at 10.30 to 12.30 on Sunday. It should not stop and start at 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night, but it's got to be something that is within my spirit. I'm here to tell you today, I am not, I do not want to be a pastor that patty cakes around. 
I do not want to be a pastor that, that just wants to go through the motions and go through the, the certain uh, parts of, of ministry and, and patty cake people and, and try, to, try to help people along. But here I'm telling you today, the way that I want to direct you and to, to, to guide you and to take that shepherd's staff, if you will, and, call, and try to provoke you, I'm going to provoke you towards Jesus Christ and to the cross of Calvary, to an altar where you can have your sins washed away. A place that you can come to meet the master. The attention should not be on programs. It should be on Jesus Christ. When we come into the presence of the almighty God. With the expectation that God can move through our lives. We come with an expectation that God can heal at any moment. He can heal diseases. He can heal cancer. He can heal mental disease. A heart, a heart problem. A heal problem. A mind problem. Why? Because my God is a creator of all things. And is the healer of all things. And he can manifest his glory at any time. I love it. When God heals, we've had testimonies of healing that have broke out in this place. I love it when God begins to mend broken hearts. I love it when God, we come to this place and God begins to put homes back together. I love it when people come into this place when they once were head bound with depression, leave with joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I love it when we come in, when we have full of shame and guilt and we walk out of here freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. I love it. God can heal. He can mend. He can take a person that is battling depression and replace it with joy. He can take stress and turn it around and give you peace. There is nothing like the Spirit moving through the house of God while we meet together with Him. I have seen the sick healed. I have seen countless receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I have seen deaf people speak in a heavenly a heavenly language. I, I've seen things that I have never thought that I would ever see before. I saw a deaf man many years ago come into the house of God. He, he was one that it was pretty much an atheist. He didn't know anything about God. Neither did he really want to know anything about God. But God got a hold of his life. And, once, and when God got a hold of his life, he began to run around the church. And once could not speak, he began to speak speak in an unknown tongue you can't tell me there's not a God I said you cannot tell me there's not a God God can take the dumb and allow him to speak I have seen the sick healed there's a lady that we were a part of in the church many years ago that she had cancer in her body and the church prayed for her and the church began to seek God and she went home and sorry for being a little bit uh, uh, kind of uh, yucky right now but she began to vomit up at home and the doctor said "What's the, she went to the hospital and said I don't know what just happened to me they took a, a picture of her body what she vomited out was all the cancer that was in her body she went to the doctor there was no more I'm telling you there is a God and you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover You've come too, too late to tell me that God won't heal you right where you sit. You've come too late to tell me that if you raise your hands and surrender your life to the Lord and you raise your hands with holy hands and you repent of your sins, I'm here to tell you I know a God that can reach right down into your life and take the shame and the guilt and the sin that is in your life and remove them. He can take your agenda and replace it for his agenda. See, lives are altered in the house of God. Your life can be altered right now. Why does pastor get up here and preaching, act the fool sometimes? Spit on kids when I'm preaching. 
why to get up here and shout and dance. And I'm not one to get, uh, get excited in this world. If you tell me good news, I'm typically going to give you the same response as if I give bad, somebody gives me bad news. I'm pretty even killed. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus... Come on, Alice. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Why? Because I'm thanking God for what he has done for me. The old song says, I get joy when I think about what the Lord has done for me. Some of you need to get renewed in your joy just a little bit. You say you're filled. You say you're forgiven, but you're not acting like it. What I'm here to tell you today, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. My spirit cries out. I love it. God begins to move. We, with many other Christians, live for the Sunday experience. And the fact that many of you are here because it's time to show up for service. And I thank you for that because we just talked about all the wonderful things that happen within the four walls of the people when they come together. We pattern our week around the Sunday. In our case, even on Wednesday night service as well. In theory, there is nothing wrong. In fact, if you've not been here on Wednesday night, let me pastor for a second. You're missing out on some great moves of God. Man, we've had, we had record attendance on Wednesday night this past week, and God began to move. and We're having great times of prayer and great times of study and, and revelation of the Word of God. But you know what? Christ, uh, we, we pattern our week around the Sunday and the Wednesday. And in, 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 in theory, there's nothing wrong with that good intention of being a good Christian and following this pattern. there's great intention, there's there's a great love and a faithfulness to the house of God. I think it's imperative in your walk with God because living after God and coming to the house of God on a weekly and a a twice a week basis, what that does, it strengthens us. Somebody say amen. Amen. It gives us wisdom. It gives us a a word from the Lord. And it encourages us not only by his word, but by the people that show up. This is not in my notes, but let me tell you something. When you show up, that is an encouragement to somebody else. When you show up, that encourages the pastor. And when I show up, I hope that encourages you. (laughs) Well, good, the pastor's here today. That must be a good thing. But when you show up, it encourages my spirit. It it, it increases my faith. It increases my my understanding, if you will. It it increases uh, a joy that's in my spirit. However... Within this love for the house of God and being with God's people, somehow we have come to the knowledge for whatever reason that God works best on Sunday. It's true and it's fact that we have got this idea that we need music to allow God to work best. We have been dumbed down, if you will, by the spirit of this world, to think that God only moves on Sunday. And i got to wait till Sunday and allow the pastor to pray for me or get encouraged. No, don't you know that Jesus' main ministry was on the highways and the byways? Paul was on a road on a road uh, uh, to Damascus and God moved upon him. He wasn't in the house of God. Blind Bartimaeus was on the side of the road, began to cry out to Jesus and God met him. Zacchaeus was in a tree. You could be hunting in your deer stand, and God can touch you right where you are. 
You begin to cry out to God. God is no respecter of person, and he is no respecter of time or place because my God is everywhere at all times. And he has all power at all times. Some of us only feel God on Sunday because that, that is your expectation. You only feel God on Wednesday because that's your expectation. We are not a church for Sunday. I know I get an old me and an old may, and I got one right. Thank you, Brother Hayward. Whoever said that. I am not a pastor that is building up for Sunday, but I want to have Sunday to build up for Monday. You see, Sunday is a great day in the Lord. We come together for a great time in God. I wouldn't miss it for anything. But if you think that this is all there is, then you're sadly mistaken in your walk with God. You need to have a new alignment in your vision. Because my God, nowhere in Scripture says, come unto the house of God on Sunday at 1030 and feel my presence. No, my Bible says, cry out unto him. Where comes your help? It comes from the Lord. It's not bound to a time or a place. Miss it for anything. Some of us want to jump back on the bandwagon and do more for him after a Sunday service. But then that same passion and zeal quickly fades in the memory banks of our lives and our minds. We forget the passion that we felt. We forget the message that was preached. And we fail to live out the lifestyle that God is calling for his people to in these last days. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, you may not remember this message past tomorrow, but the only thing that I want to get in your spirit is when you get up on a Monday morning, you get on your knees and you say, God, you're forever present like you were on Sunday. You're forever glorious just like you were yesterday. And God, I want you to work in my life right now. And guess what? You don't need a song. You don't need a worship leader. You don't need a pastor to get up in your up, up in your face and begin to preach. No. All you need is the presence of the Almighty God and begin to cry out to Him and say, Lord, I don't know what holds today, but I know you know what holds today. I don't know what's going to happen on my job, but Lord, you know what's going to happen on my job. So give me a fresh word. Give me a fresh touch. Give me a fresh knowledge of your power. Some of us need to get up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm here to the Monday morning church gets up every morning and says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And I'm going to step on the head of the devil and I say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. That doesn't mean despair doesn't come. That doesn't mean heartache won't be there. That doesn't mean questions won't come. But oh, if I am walking in the footsteps of the Almighty God and I'm rejoicing in the Lord always. The writer in Philippians says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And again, I say rejoice. He was reminding us that this is the day that the Lord, I'm going to worship the Almighty God. Where are those who are not just passionate on Sunday, but also the fire is still burning on the Monday? I'm using Monday because that is the next day after Sunday. But the Monday morning church is the same way on Tuesday. It's the same way on Wednesday. It's the same way on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then when we come together on Sunday, we're just celebrating what God did during ministry of our life through the week. You see... I'm not going to look around here a little bit, but you can tell who's been celebrating and worshiping the Lord through the week. 
Because some of us need primed and primped and prodded up when we come to the house of God. But I'm here to tell you today, the Monday morning church arrives at church and said, I'm here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm prepared in my heart to love God. I do not need to be primed. I don't need a worship leader. I don't need anything else but the presence of God and knowing that he is right there with me because when I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the floor, I know that that day is designed for God and his glory and I just want to be a part of it. We understand through scripture that we are the body of Christ. We are the church as a collective people of his name. According to Ephesians 1.23, the church is his body. You got to get that. It's his body. The body of Christ. The fullness of him. Did you get that? We are the body of Christ. We are the fullness of him. We are the representation of who he is to this earth. Of course, this is not the only statement in the New Testament about the nature of the church, but in definitive when it comes to the church's presence in the world. See, the model for the church is Jesus Christ. The model for the church is not having church on Sunday. And if Christ is the model for the church, then we need to look at him and see him where we need to be as a church. You want to get an idea what the church is supposed to be? Look at Jesus. You want to know what you need to be like? Look at Jesus. You know what you need to act like? Look at Jesus. You can look on me all you want, but you're going to see a failed man that has fallen to diverse things in this world. But I'm thankful for the mercy of God that picks me right back up again because I will fail you and I will disappoint you sometime down the road. But, oh, if we have a Monday morning church that sees God as the author and the finisher, that sees him as the great I am, you can look past my flaws, you can look past my, my, my sins that I, that I do wrong, and you can see Jesus Christ. See, the book of Acts gives us an example of what happens when Christ is accurately placed in both the religious culture. Acts 1 and 8 says, in Jerusalem, into Judea, and Samaria, and then the secular cultures to the ends of the earth. When and where the church has failed to carry on this approach, cultures have failed to be truly Christian and Christ-like. With these truths in mind, then any effort to present Jesus as Savior must focus on the church on Monday rather than the church on Sunday. Let me say this again. When and where the church has failed to carry on this approach, cultures have failed to be truly Christian and Christ-like. The truths of the Word of God, the truths of His understanding. The truce of when they went to the church daily. The truce of that fact they went to the, the church three times a day. No matter how big the church on Sunday becomes, it will never penetrate this city with Jesus. I'm going to say some things right now that you probably, you're going to take a minute to digest. We could get to a thousand people, but because a thousand people show up doesn't mean we're doing anything for the Lord. We can get a crowd, but can you get Jesus to move in that crowd? No matter how big the church on Sunday becomes, it will never penetrate this city with Jesus. The reason is clear. The church on Sunday is experienced by the church community. This church community goes to, there, there's people in this community that go to church. 
There are people all over this place that go to church. I drove by two churches today. Both of them were probably at over 1,000 people in those, in those services. Over 1,000 people in those church services. And, is, and in most of those places, going to, the experience, or going to a Sunday service, it is observed, if noticed at all, by the unbelieving community. The unbelieving community goes by these churches, and they don't think twice about the crowds. They don't think twice about these things. But, oh, how do we get the unchurched or the unbelieving community to see the church? How do we get the unbelieving, the people that, are, that need God, to get them to see and understand who God is? I'm here to tell you, to, it's because the Monday morning church, not the, not the Sunday morning church. It is the Monday morning church that they see. That's who they see. We must never allow the church institution to be the way to Jesus. My Bible says Jesus himself is the way. If you think your salvation is going to come because of a building, you're wrong. You think salvation is going to come because you go to Lifeway Apostolic Church? You're wrong. I'm here to tell you today, it's because of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the way to salvation. You see, the goal of having a Monday church is to make a way present and visible to the world where the people are lost. You see, most of the people in this room are on their way to heaven. In this room, we're, we're on the way. But when you walk to the highways and the byways of this world, you go to your job. You walk down the street. You go to Walmart. You go to this place. Most of those people do not know Jesus. That's why we got to be a Monday morning church and not just a Sunday morning church. We, the people of the name have to be open for business. Everybody say open for business. We must be ready for the day must be ready for the cause of Christ. Looking forward to the moment to reach this world for Jesus Christ. I've used this example before and I'll probably use it again. Dr. Richard, Richard Halverson was a pastor of a large Presbyterian church in Washington, D.C. For many years he was also the chaplain for the U.S. Senate. A deeply godly man, he spoke regularly at seminaries across the country. After one session, he stopped at a table to eat with some students. One of the students asked Dr. Halverson, he said, he said, Doctor, he said, where is your church? I think that's a good question to ask. I've been asked that very same question. This seemed like a perfectly reasonable question, but the doctor looked quite perplexed and hesitated to answer. Then he glanced at his watch. He said, well... It's 3 o'clock in Washington, D.C. Uh, the, the church I pastor is all over the city. It's driving buses. It's serving meals in restaurants, sitting in a board meeting, having discussion in the Pentagon, deliberating in the Congress. We, we went on, he went on to say that, but periodically we get together at a building on 4th Street. But we, do, we don't spend much time there. We're mostly in the city. Ladies and gentlemen, we only spend just a few hours here, but you're mostly in your neighborhood. You're mostly in the city. You're mostly at the schools. You're mostly on your job. So why do we understand and why do we put in our mind that we get ready for a church on Sunday when God is calling for a Monday morning church to rise up and begin to impact your community, impact your world. Church is not an activities list. Church is not defined by the events on the calendar. This church lifeway is not defined to what outings we can put together, how much funds we can raise for certain projects. Uh, I don't know about you, but we will not be defined as, as simply one that goes to church down the road. But I want to be a church that is designed and thought of that I am a church going down a road. And that road is called 36. Maybe that road is Grayson Trail. Maybe that road is right where you live. That's the road you go down. 
And that means the church is rolling down your road. What Lifeway is, is dependent on what you are. You know the pastor would turn it around. What Lifeway is, is dependent on what you are. So who are you? Too many have fallen prayer like two men in the Bible, Judas and Demas. Judas betrayed the Lord for silver. Demas is not mentioned but three times in Scripture. He was with Luke and Paul when Paul was writing to the Colossians church. But in 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. You see, this world has become too much of a draw. This world in, in all of its cravings has somehow diminished the power of the church. How does it diminish the power? God's power cannot be diminished. I say God's power cannot be diminished. The way his power gets diminished is when his people stop allowing the power of God moving through him. But we are a people of the name of Jesus, but we have allowed the cravings of this world to compete for our lives to compete for our time, to compete for our love, and compete for our dependence. 1 John 2, 16, the NIV version, NIV version says, For everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boastings of what he has and becomes not from the Father but from the world. Notice that enlarging upon what is in the world. John doesn't say this particular mode of dress, the way of speaking, this music, these possessions. No, the essence of worldliness is in the Cravings of sinful man. Would you think about that? The sin that you're carrying right now and the shame that you're carrying right now is in the cravings for this world that you have. John is pointing to the inward man. What's in your heart? Don't look and blame the world for your desires and lusts. Look at yourself. With the phrase, cravings of a sinful man, John is targeting our hearts. David Powelson paraphrasing, he says, The evil in our desires often lies not in what we want, but in the fact that we want it too much. You see, the cravings of sinful man are legitimate desires. They're seeing things that I love to do. There's things that I love to be a part of. There's things in this world that are fun, and they're, and they're a great time, and you love to do different things, and that's all great. But when that craving becomes overtaken in your spirit, and it replaces your love for Jesus Christ, then there's a problem. So what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a Monday morning church does not allow the cravings of this world to overcome their craving for God. You see, it's wanting too much of the things of this fallen world. A sinful craving is when a legitimate desire for financial success becomes a silent demand for financial success. Let me say that again. A sinful craving is when a legitimate desire for financial success becomes a silent demand for financial success. An interest in clothes and fashion becomes a preoccupation. The love of music for, morphs into obsession with the hottest band. Or the desire to enjoy a good movie becomes a need to see the latest blockbuster. There, are many, there's, there may be nothing wrong with certain desires of themselves. But when they dominate the landscape of our lives, when we must have them or anything and nothing else, then we have succumbed to idolatry and worldliness. Ladies and gentlemen, I rebuke idolatry and I rebuke worldliness in this church because we have got to God's coming for a church. God's coming for a people that are seeking his face, that are not afraid and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
I'm going to preach a little bit strong right here, right now, because I'm telling you, when if you have worldliness in your spirit, uh, sin is not does not belong in your life. Sin does not belong in your spirit, but God created you for his presence. God created you for, for his glory. God created you to, to know you and for you to know him. So do we want to be defined as a people who gather together for church on Sunday, or are we a church that gets together on Sunday? Catch the difference. Do we want to be defined as people who gather together for church on Sunday? Or are we a church that gets together on Sunday? I'm going to say it again because some of you ain't got it. Do we want to be defined as a people who gather together for church on Sunday? Or are we a church that gets together on Sunday? All right, I'm going to say it again. Do we want to be defined as a people who gather together for church on Sunday? Or are we a church that gets together on Sunday? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be a church that gathers together with strength. So who are we if we get our mindset away from just Sunday and Wednesday. I'm not negating the, the thoughts that you need not to be here. You need to be here. But I'm here to tell you, we are the church, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians, if Ephesians is true, which it is, then this has an incredible implications for those of us who make up the body of Christ. Now let's look back at Colossians chapter number 1. Paul mentions a mystery, a secret that God kept so well. Paul said the mystery has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints, to the God has, to, to the God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A pastor, yeah, I'm pointing right back at you. Don't look at the pastor and expect me to carry the presence of God for you. You were designed to be a minister and carry the hope of glory. I'm here to tell you today, you are designed to carry the hope of glory. You are designed to carry the mystery of the goodness of God. If you think the church in terms of activities or a destination on Sunday, then these verses really don't make much sense to you. But if you are full of the Holy Ghost and have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, then these scriptures are profound and full of power. I want the glorious riches. I want Christ in me. I want the hope of glory because I am not a Sunday church. I am a Monday morning church for him. You see, what is available to us is greater than any obstacle greater than any power or devil on this earth, greater than any politician, greater than any sickness, greater than my finances, greater than my time, greater than my questions, greater than my confusion, greater than all these things in this world. But the Bible says greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm here to tell you today these sinful cravings that come up in my life every once in a while, I need to push those things down and say greater is he that is within Within me than he that is in the cravings of this world. I'm here to tell you that we have got to get out of the mold of saying, let's go to church. I, I, I love you. We always say, invite somebody to church. Right? That's a, that's a, great, that's a great statement to have. 
Invite somebody to the house of God. But don't you know that you are the body of Christ? And when you step in the presence of, of a neighbor or somebody around you, you are presenting the body of Christ to them. You're presenting to them the, the hope of glory. You're presenting to them the fullness of God. I'm here to tell you today, I do not want to be regulated to say, come to church with me because that's where God is. No, God is with me and I am with him. Bible says, if I abide in him and he abide in me. That's the kind of church I want to be. I want to be a church that's proclaiming the gospel as the Monday morning church. I want to be a guy, and I'm looking for a saint. I'm looking for a member of Lifeway, maybe a guest here today that says, I'm tired of the old walk. I'm tired of the old thinking. I want to be anointed of God, and I want to have the hope of glory. The cool thing is, I'm saying the cool thing is, is that God just won't hear you on Sunday. God is not relegated to fill you with the Holy Ghost on Sunday. He can fill you right where you are in your living room. God, you don't have to wait till Sunday to be anointed with oil for your healing. You can anoint yourself with oil and say, God, I have an affliction in my body, and I'm claiming your healing right now in the name of Jesus. I love the story of my sweet stepmom, Becky. It's because God got a hold of her. God filled her with the Holy Ghost in her living room. If I'm right on that, I'm here to tell you today, it does God doesn't have to come on Sunday and we have to orchestrate this thing. If you want God bad enough, God is ready and willing to give you what you need. It was mentioned just a moment ago, and I know I'm going for a while, but i got to get my point across here today. I don't think we're quite there yet. We got that woman with the issue of blood. What did she do? She pressed through the crowd. She wasn't ready. Well, they're going to have the disciples are going to get together on Sunday. I'll wait before, wait till they go to the synagogue to pray. I'll wait for this and wait. No, the Jesus was walking by, and I don't know what about anybody else, but I'm tired of, of giving my finances and my time to the things of this world. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm going to see what he can do in my life. I'm going to seek Jesus. I'm here to tell you that we have got to get out of the mold of saying let's go to church. Instead, of, instead we need to say let the church come together to worship the king. You see, the body of Christ is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If I could be so frank to say Lifeway is not what's in you. I said I go to Lifeway. But Lifeway's not in me. It's Jesus Christ in me. And I just so happen to gather together with a group of people that we call Lifeway Apostolic Church. Who are you? I'm a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. I'm not all about the name. My wife and I told about Lifeway. We were walking through a park wondering what we're going to name our church. But the Lord kind of convicted me. Yeah, Lifeway, I think it's a kind of kind of cool name. I, I like apostolic, and we got to put the word church in there, right? So people know it's a church, and Lifeway Apostolic Church. But God began to convict me. He said the church is not in the name. It's in a name that's above every name. It's the name of Jesus Christ. It's in the blood of Calvary. It's in the one who rose again on the third day. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. To the body of Christ is Christ in you the hope of glory? You are the church. You are the creation which God made so he can dwell and use to make the church what it needs to be and what it is. Not just available on Sunday, but open for business whenever and wherever I am.
Let me just tell you this. Everybody look up. Look in the ceiling. Look to the blue skies. You can't see them, but look out. God is just, he's not out there somewhere. And we down here somewhere. God is not a mystic creature in another world somewhere looking down upon us and saying, they're not doing this, they're not doing that, and all this stuff, and judgment casting down. He is a vengeful God, and He is a God of judgment. There will be a judgment one day. But God is not out there somewhere and us down here. He is living inside of those that have been filled by his presence. And those that have allowed the presence of God to fill your spirit. When God, he is not just a God out there, but he's a God in here. And when God in here is expressed out there, then I become the Monday morning church. I'm looking for a people that is not afraid to be a part of the Monday morning. You are the church. You are the hope. You are the vehicle to which God chose to work through. You say, Pastor, I'm not much. Neither am I. I don't have talent. I don't have much ability. I was scared half to death to start a church. When pastor, when another pastor said, you know what, you, nobody's ever been successful starting a church in Avon. I had a pastor in Kentucky tell me he was not my pastor. He, he looked at me across the table. He says, it is not God's will for you to go. Now, I, I believe in God. I think he had a little bit of motive in all because I was a part of some of the programs he had. He didn't want me to go. He says, I, I'm, just a, I'm just afraid that when you go there, things are just not going to work out. And I, and I said, you know what? I looked at him. I said, but God's already spoken. Amen. And I know what God said to do. You see, it took us 17 months to sell our home. And people come to me and say, are you sure about this? You're going where? The North American Missions Board kept calling me. Have you sold your home yet? Have you, are you up in Avon yet? What's going on? No, I haven't sold my home. No, we're not there yet. I don't even know where we're going to live. I don't know how we're going to start this church. I don't know anything. Okay, well, we're praying for you. It's like, okay, all right. It'll work out. It, things will work out okay. And I begin to doubt myself. But guess what? Every time doubt and fear became into my life, I went back to a word. And the Lord spoke to me with two words when it was time. I was on, it was on a Wednesday and I just, something came in. I walked into the house. My wife was in the kitchen, and the kids were in the living room. And I looked at her, and I said, it's time. She knew exactly what I was talking about. She knew exactly. I go back to that word, and all God had to do is says, Tim Bryan, it's time to go. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that my house is going to sell right then. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out just right. All I know is it was time to make a decision to become the Monday morning church. Some of you today, God's saying, it's time. Some of you have been, I, I'm sorry if it's offend, and I really am. I, I don't want to offend anyone that's here. But it's time to get off your seat and start living for the Lord. Amen. You know me. I, I love you all, and I'll do anything for you. But God's coming. God's coming. And I want to be ready. 
I don't cry in the pulpit much, but I'm here to tell you Jesus is coming. And your moment could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. God could come in five minutes. I don't know. But if the word of God is true, and we know it is, the Bible says he goes to prepare a place. And I'm thankful for that. But if I can be so blunt to say, God is still waiting for some of you to prepare a place. He wants to prepare a place. But he's waiting on you so he can start preparing your place. Let's stand. My God, when I think of this message and I begin to pray this week, I've shared this with a couple people. And I, and I say with all the love that's in my heart. I, I, I really do. The reason why I love you, the reason why God's called me to pastor and the reason why I'm standing up here preaching this message here today and I'm going to say this in a way that is not common to most pulpits I don't want you to go to hell you see I want to go to heaven. There is a heaven to gain, but there is a hell to shun. I didn't quit my job to see a bunch of people go to hell. I don't give my time and effort to give way to the devil. I want to see people go to heaven. tell you right now Jesus is coming and you got to be ready this is a hard message not hard, the hardest part of the message you know it's my head's down I don't want to look at anybody because I want you to know that I love you and I want to make sure you go to heaven so you need to repent of your sins baptized in Jesus name and you need to allow God the hope of glory to fill your life but guess what hold on a second that's not that's just the beginning see I was filled with the Holy Ghost August 26 1987 at 12 years of age it didn't that's just where it started that was where a new calendar began yeah, you know what? After that, I messed around a little bit. I, I wasn't the best child. I backslid. Oh, I was, I was going to church, but I backslid. That's why I know some of y'all where you're at right now. Talk about it. Oh, I showed up to the youth events, but I, I still played Sir Mix-a-Lot in the car. 
Oh, I went to prayer meetings, but I played my Guns N' Roses. I went to church on Sunday. In fact, I worked at a golf course. I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I go to work at 5.30, work till 8.30, went home on Sunday, took a shower, and went to church on Sunday. It's because I was, it's what I did. But don't you know, I was, I tried to, tried to dip a little bit, and I, I tried to smoke a little bit of cigarettes, and I tried all these things. I was going to church. Count me, Pastor. I was backslid on the pew. And if I was the pastor then, I'd be preaching right now at a Timothy David Bryan at 17 years of age, walking and living out of control in his own mind, going down a road of certain destruction in his life. But I'm thankful for a man of God who set me, pulled me aside and said, boy, you need to get your act together. Spoke to me across to the table. He said, God's got his hand on your life. He's going to do a work in your life. And I looked at him and said, y'all, you're nuts. You don't know what I'm doing behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on in my life. But he saw something precious in me. And he wanted to make sure I made it to heaven. And he wanted to make sure I was going to do what God called me to do. So let me be at 43 years of age right now, speaking to someone say, it's time to get busy living for Jesus Christ. It's time. Quit, quit messing around. You all know what I'm talking about. Backslidden on the pew. That's what I was. He reminded me, that pastor reminded me of the scripture. He says, boy, if you're going to be lukewarm, God's going to spit you out. And I knew there was a call of God on my life because I was in a church in Sheridan, Indiana. I don't know if dad was preaching that service or not, but I began to pray. In fact, I really wasn't praying. I was doing the right thing as a young person. I just went down halfway. Everybody else went to the altar. I'm a preacher's kid. I better, I better show myself faithful. You know? So I walked about halfway down the aisle on the left-hand side against the wall. And I felt a hand come down on my shoulder. And I said, well, that's interesting. And I felt the presence of God sweep over my soul. And he began to place a call on my life at 16 years of age. And I still walked away from the Lord. At 17 and 18, God was trying to deal with me. And I knew that there was call was on my life. Some of you know that God has called you for a specific purpose, but you're running away from it. Let this pastor speak into your spirit today. And it's time to get back to where God first called you. It's time to get back to your first love, which is Jesus Christ. I didn't mean to all get teary-eyed. 